nobody knows what you are. I was concerned about going out into the world and doing something bigger than myself until someone smarter than myself made me realize there is nothing bigger than myself. If you don't believe, nobody else is gonna believe. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. Welcome back to Baby Trails. It's your boy, Mohammed. Um, Shamaki's not here to join me today. He had some train issues, apparently, so. Brother Dan Hustle, man, he didn't read the book that we recommended this week. Um, but yeah, joined by a special guest today, uh, Sha'ib from Pivot to Tech. I'll give you a quick intro, but first, uh, just a quick brief to, for people new listening to the podcast. Um, we are Paper Trails under the brand of Inspire. We've been running this podcast for quite some time where we read books with each other, um, review them, and then um, get interesting guests on to talk about the books. Sometimes we get authors, sometimes we get content creators, sometimes we get people who've created a whole brand behind education and things like that so someone like Shay, for example today's very good guest um so yeah i hope he brings the fire the energy don't worry i'm all right i'll, I'll make sure that, no that i carry it if you don't <laughs> but um yeah uh we'll get cracking so Shay, how you been man bro thank you for having me not yeah. bad not bad <laughs> this is your third podcast you've been on Yes, I remember you second tweeting. video one. Yeah, I wanted four. I was like, what did I say? It was a while ago I tweeted. Bro's always tweeting, oh, he's going to have me on the podcast. He's always going to have me on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was complaining. Uh, I've got X amount of followers. I should have. I should be one podcast. So this is my third one. Mm -hmm. got one more. I'm trying to bang my man. So man, with the way people are talking about podcasts these days, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you want to be a podcast? <laughs> all, good, all of them. I'm joking. No, no, no. It's good to get in. It's good to um get get used to video content. Yeah, yeah, just talking about your journey, talking about what you do, mm -hmm. talking about why you do it. It's public speaking in a sense. That's what it is. Yeah. So, like, we had um, recently Hassan Kuba who wrote, who wrote the Unfair Advantage, um, the author, and yeah, he was talking about like all the public speaking he does, and like you can really tell from the way he speaks. He's very like measured. He's like, I, when I was listening to him, I was like, I got to fix up because I'm quite a fast talker. It's a skill, man. It's a, yeah, me too. I'm <clears> the exact same. If you uh, I don't even want to say, it, but if you watch my other <laughs> podcast, my, my last one, it was I my first video-based yeah. one. And it was on YouTube, it was carved into shorts on Instagram and Twitter. And maybe for like two weeks, I refused to watch it back because I knew I would just cringe. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I was talking fast. There was, you know, when you just like, go hard, you know, just be hard on yourself or just like uh, something you do, you do for your first time. But I know I wanted to just get it out there. Did you get any feedback from people to say that like, nah, you actually were right? Everyone said it was good. Yeah. Everyone that I've asked said it was good. Mm -hmm. My mom saw it when she put it on the family group chat. I was like, uh, oh, Marshall, I was like, oh, why are you watching it? It's not, I don't know. Like, I think what was said, the guests, the actual podcast was good, but mm -hmm. I was uh, criticizing myself a lot, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I have a stammer, and I don't know if it showed that much in the video, but I talk fast to kind of like combat it. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think, why it didn't go as well. But live and learn, right? Cool. So, it's interesting because we've known each other a few years now <laughs> and our background is funnily enough like we went to the same college yeah, same teachers still find funny, man. And we live very locally we, we didn't we met like from on, online in it so twitter. twitter yeah, yeah. so it's, it's weird but yeah it's, it's such a small world don't you think like it's, it's really weird but um yeah a bit about you so you run pivot to tech um the pivot to tech boot camp um, where you teach people how to gain freelance skills in tech um, and any other kind of freelance space they want to be in. And now you're planning to expand that to data analytics, I think. Yeah, yeah. Soon, um, I don't know when this podcast will be out, but hopefully by then we'll release the cohorts or mm -hmm. release, release applications. So it'll be yep. the same format we have. So a bit of background, we've got two main courses. So the, we teach software engineering, which is kind of how I started. Um, and we teach freelance web and digital marketing. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of, boot camps out there um the uk that just teach like how to get into tech you know nine to five job software engineering ui ux whatnot but there's hardly any on digital marketing and freelancing mm -hmm. like not everybody wants to just find another nine to five job or change their career especially if they've been working a career for five plus years it's hard to go into an entry role in tech even though you can you know grow up in salary quite fast but people want to make money online there's the whole thing of you know forex mm -hmm. <laughs> literally anything else but <laughs> freelancing is how i started mm -hmm. and how i make a living now um so the idea was to get people started with that and i do it in web design and digital marketing so that's what we teach mm -hmm. 
So in terms of your actual background, so you, you worked in the NHS before. You told me some interesting stories about that. Um, and yeah, like when you were like in the NHS, uh, at what point did you think that I want to start like not doing your own thing, but like doing your own thing within the tech space? Yeah, so <clears throat> I wanted to leave radiography before I finished my degree, actually. Like I never you wanted to what? Leave radiography. Oh, uh, leave, yeah. Which is what I was doing, which is my degree. Radiotherapy, to be more precise. Mm -hmm. During my third year, that's when I was like, "Look, I need to. I need something to get out of this." Like, mm -hmm. but I just finished my, you know, degree. I know I needed to make some money, yeah. so I just firmed there and just continued working mm -hmm. in the NHS. And just before I got my first job, I was just browsing YouTube and went through a few rabbit holes, you know, on. Um, not on, yeah, it was on, it was on traveling at first, traveling world, well, digital nomad, that, that, that kind of scene was what my YouTube recommendation was full of. Mm -hmm. So I was just procrastinating, you know, doing my dissertation, watching video after video, you know, I was just doing that. And mm -hmm. then I came across one guy, Chris, the freelancer. Yeah. Um, and I still watch him now, but he doesn't, he's not really active. And he, he's basically, he used to be an accountant. So again, from a non-tech background and then taught himself to code and then landed a job. I think as a front-end developer and then found it, found a remote role. This was back in 2016, mm -hmm. where remote roles weren't that popular, but mm -hmm. in tech, I think they were still quite popular. Um, then moved to like Thailand, Indonesia, done yeah. the whole traveling thing, went freelance with Shopify um, and basically continued to serve clients and serve um, clients from Australia, because that's where he lived, mm -hmm. to uh, and, and living wherever he wants basically. And I was watching his videos and I was watching all his vlogs and I was like, this is what I want. This looks really interesting. You know, you can travel and work at the same time. And back then I traveled a little bit, but just normal holidays. So it wasn't anything crazy. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to continue doing that. That's all I wanted. I didn't really care too much about, you know, making a lot of money or whatever. It's just how can I find a way to travel and work while doing something interesting, Same, at least semi-interesting, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that's when I found... Um, what he does, I think. I think he does a, he has a podcast and he has a few mini courses on free, just on YouTube. Yeah. And I watch what he does. And it's like, okay, so it's web development, coding. He has a non-coding background. How do I do it? And then once I find out what he does, and I realize, okay, I can do that too. Since he's since he did it, mm -hmm. let me pause what I'm doing, and um, basically continue my dissertation yeah. and my degree and let me finish that first before I get back to my plan which will be okay this is where I want to go after yeah. radiography so got my job moved out of home which was an experience um, and then just kind of put my head down and made a plan for myself to learn to code you know, just the basics and then eventually I knew that I could get a job because I was seeing all these people find a job self-taught web developer was a thing I thought okay this is not that difficult mm -hmm. he's done it other people have done it why can't i do it so yeah that's kind of how it started and i didn't hate the nhs but i knew in five years time i wouldn't want to be there yeah yeah or even three years time so i thought let me just leave now and and yeah the rest is history i guess so you talk a lot about making money uh, online freelancing um everything you just mentioned yeah. um in terms of like for me, like one of the biggest obstacles for a lot of people is bravery as well. Like you mentioned earlier, people don't want to start from scratch with a fresh new beginner salary and then work their way up again. Like that takes a long time and that's like a big jump um, for you. What was it like in terms of dealing with your family as well? Um, what was the reaction from your, from your parents? Because um, I feel like a lot of people from our kind of background have that backlash um and yeah how, how do you deal with that because i have had a similar experience myself but good yeah so i didn't tell them for a long time um i my parents knew that i was learning mm -hmm. and knew that i eventually wanted to get into a different field but they thought that you know the nhs is a lot more secure and you know it, it is it's a public sector mm -hmm. it is a lot more secure which is one of the reasons why my dad pushed me to do radi radiography but um, I knew I needed to prove to them that, hey, I can do this and get a job offer. So I don't need to tell you if I've done it or not, let me just do it. Once I've done it, then they can't really say anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you've done it, 
continue, you know. So I kind of needed them to believe in me. I believe in myself, mm-hmm. but I needed them to believe in me. And fortunately, I needed to kind of prove myself first. Mm-hmm. Um, and they knew I was doing the whole freelance thing as well. So they knew there was some money in this. My dad, actually, a while ago, before I started radiography, when I was like 20, he told me not, he told me to do IT mm-hmm. instead of NHS. But I don't know why I didn't stay in my shoplifting. He told me to do an apprenticeship, not go uni, whatever. Really? Yeah, he literally told me to do that. He was like, it's a lot better to, you know, get against IT. Because I was always good at, I always liked, I always liked yeah, You're the guy that was start, I restarting the route and that. Yeah, yeah, literally. I was just, I was the IT guy, but more about <laughs> hardware and like, yeah. you know, um, torrenting software and all that crap you know it wasn't it was just when i was young just, yeah but i never knew that i don't know why i didn't listen like i just that, that, that's always been not a regret but i think something i always think about because i i went full circle went back to it right so weird so like at what point were you like all right let's say you're, so from, from funnily enough both of us studied biomedical science in college yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> South, <laughs> now yeah. we're both working in the tech yeah. field um like for me personally, I knew from the jump, like while I was doing that, that I'm I'm never staying in like the medical. I, I did physiotherapy in uni for one year, mm. and I dropped out, and I knew like straight away I want to get into tech, mainly because of my background. Like I was always into computers and that. Um, but why? What, what would you say like pushed you? Because you said that like your dad kind of directed you towards radiotherapy, but that wasn't really something you wanted to do, right? Or was it just like you're just going with the flow because you just finished college? Yeah, I was young. Um, I I wanted the uni experience, mm-hmm. um, but I'm glad. Like in a way, I'm glad I did. I worked in the NHS because mm-hmm. it you learn a lot about obviously cancer because that's what my field was oncology, mm-hmm. radiotherapy and oncology, but also working in a team, um, your communication skills. That I'm I'm glad I picked up those skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but working, um, not studying and going to uni and having that vision of oh uni will be like if i don't go uni i'll miss out mm-hmm. that i don't think is was smart mm-hmm. because nhs courses were before i think a, a couple of years ago they were free so mm-hmm. I, i'm not in debt or anything so that, so that was a good thing All right. but um i didn't really um i don't think an 18 year old knows like can predict four years into the future yeah no one can yeah, but it's like they can't make choices at that young. Yeah, for the next for the next three four years or if they yeah. flop a year or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I tweet about this. I don't think the university model is. is yeah, good. I've always had like major gripes with that, and I've always said it. Like even during college, I was telling them like, first of all, I was applying for like you go for you guys right, and you're applying for degrees and stuff. Like in a field like in medical fields, or in a lot of the higher like uh more established positions um doctors and all this like you have to have work experience as well to get into a good union stuff like that yeah you've yeah, got to have a lot of good like extracurricular activities that are going on like in physiotherapy i found out in like the last six months of my um my biomedical course that i've got to have like one year of work experience or something somewhere i'm like bro i was working i was i was <laughs> yeah, studying yeah, full-time yeah. I'm, I'm 17 18 level how am i meant to like go and so so like the last two months of finishing my um my modules i was just going around to physiotherapy offices knocking on the doors like oh can i can i do work experience with you the whole time i didn't even want to do it it's just like this is the only route that yeah, i feel of, like is yeah. accessible to me you're right stuck. now when you're in that degree when you're doing a degree you're stuck doing that and can't do anything else you're broke for three or four years mm-hmm. you feel like you have to finish this and if you don't you're a failure or whatever but like those eight months of learning to code i've learned more during that time in my entire degree mm-hmm. about what's ahead of me, mm-hmm. what the real working world is about. You need with assignments and exams, that's not life. Mm-hmm. So I don't really, I think, I don't know. I think soon, maybe the next five, 10 years, online education will take over. I think it already is. I think there's a big gap. I think there's a big gap that's already occurring for the last few years. Um, people like, in our age bracket, I've noticed we've kind of went with the flu kind of thing. Yeah. But I noticed a lot of younger people, even from two years younger than me, like my younger brothers, younger cousins, they literally like just don't go uni. They don't, they just coast kind of thing. They, and in the, like looking outside, outside looking in, it kind of looks like they just, they just, a lot of them like just go straight into work. Like, oh, they just want money, whatever. Like I got brothers in security work and all this stuff. Cousins doing that kind of stuff. But 
it's also like they're taking that time to think about what they really want to do. And I've noticed that a lot more in the last couple of years or so than people just being rushed into their, their kind of degrees. University is a business. Yeah, especially, exactly. Especially since they're up to price to 9K a year is more than that now, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's, it's, it's in their... In their favor mm-hmm. to get us to get those eighteen year olds into uni, make them pay X amount, get them to debt until like thirty or fifty or whatever it is. Um, but I don't know. I think something has to change where people realize that a hundred dollar course will get you more prepared for yeah. a life in. It doesn't have to be tech, be something related to it. It can be business. It can be whatever content creation. There's actually a course now from a government funded training provider called Content Creation. Literally, that's what. That's where everything's going now. Mm-hmm. Soon the universities are going to pick it up. Content creation, three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jacking money for three years doing content creation. Yeah. Because um, they know that they're getting worried. All these, I think now there's a there's a stat saying that uh, most most Gen Z. They want to be content creators professionally. Yeah, yeah, content creators, TikTok creators, whatever. Because they look, they, they think it's a lot more fun. It is fun, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But it's basically the modern version of what journalism is, mm-hmm. right? and tv and yeah sometimes i like i'm watching youtube and i see like really highly produced stuff and i'm thinking like i used to see this kind of stuff on tv like yeah, literally whole yeah, teams yeah. used to create this but now it's like yeah. one person one doing person, this person higher room yeah and it is like the advent of technology has improved a lot of all these ai tools and all this stuff like it's yeah. helped out a lot out a lot but yeah like i personally think that there is already something like that kind as you said with that with that kind of stat that's not that's not by accident i think because we're in the age of where technology is advancing so fast like young younger people are just exposed to things that we weren't exposed to when we were younger Mr. Beast, KSI, yeah like i wish that like yeah like well, I want to be like that. What do you mean, man? I, don't <laughs> I watched know, that Mr. Man. Beast cringe, video. Man. Mr. Beast video with uh, all the countries in the world competing. Did you see that? It was recently. I don't know. I'm not, I, don't I, I, I wasn't even planning to watch it, but I was yeah. in Scotland with he's friends. He's there, like literally. On the, if, you're, if you're not signed, if you're signed out of YouTube, mm-hmm. he's there he's like there, every front page. Yeah, yeah, but like I, I think like we're already moving into that space, and like yeah, there's people that want to be content creators. There's people that see people traveling and working at the same time. Uh, also because of COVID. I think COVID freelance, everything. yeah, everything's yeah. changed. Yeah. Everything's changed. Freelancing, contracting, um, having your own business. Yeah. I, the reason why I push freelancing so much mm-hmm. is because it's the best business to start because you don't have a product or you're not really making a service from scratch. You're just learning your skills and monetizing it. Mm-hmm. So it's the best business to start for any beginner because you're not really, you haven't got much to lose. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is just find that first client, which always happens to be family, friend, a neighbor, friend, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you learn everything about business, mm-hmm. um, outsourcing, um, finances, um, scaling to an agency. And then from there, start an online course or something. Yeah. Um, or make content to get inbound leads. Um, and it could be anything. It could be copywriting, email marketing. Yeah. What else? Even like how to start a YouTube channel. That's yeah. People like freelancing anything. People, as long as you've, you've got a skill, and there's someone else, a business or a small business or an individual who doesn't have that skill or doesn't have the time, people will be willing to pay you stupid numbers just mm-hmm. to do one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't think uni teaches now anyway, or even school. Yeah, yeah. I don't think school prepares you at all for that kind of stuff. Even like people skills and stuff like that. I feel like like you, in school you grow up, like you got your seating plan. Macbeth, what the hell? Yeah. What am I going to do with Macbeth? <laughs> yeah, like I would say... Like I already had an interest in, in like literature and reading a lot when I was younger. Yeah, just because it was like escapism for me. And I didn't have a lot of like I, I didn't grow up with video console, uh, video game consoles mm. until in like my my, my mid teens. So I was reading a lot, and I noticed like in in school it, it did help me like stand out a bit in terms of like I was ahead of most of my class in terms of when it, when it, when it comes to li- English. Like I was writing really good quality stuff. I was re- like reading you know, advanced freight and uh, analyzing what I was reading very well. So. Like the teachers were rating it, but I know a lot of people that went through that period that, that didn't have any like literature background, and now they're they're doing pretty well for themselves regardless. So like you really yeah, you really yeah. didn't need to like be forced to learn all this kind of yeah. stuff in school, and like yeah, I'm sure in an ideal world we could we could like redesign the whole curriculum, but the capitalism capitalism yeah. <laughs> they get you into the uh, I think I don't know five or ten years ago mm-hmm. when I mean like what was most popular job after uni it's gonna be marketing sales or something like, i don't know like, what do you mean popular as in like what's what would people what job? go towards in yeah. general well, the, the standards doctors accountants yeah. barristers whatever and i think and law or something like that law. 
I think uni preps you for for those kind of jobs, mm-hmm. you know, especially medi- medicine, even medicine. Actually, they're doing they announced they're going to do an apprenticeship. On medicine, yeah, yeah, like a two year thing. I think that's a desperate attempt to keep. Yeah, because the NHS is dying. <laughs> yeah. It's literally dying. So yeah. even Michael's. Imagine after I finished my degree, I found out that they're making a two year course for it, an apprenticeship for it. Yeah. So I don't have to break for all those years. Yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah, it, it's changing in a weird way because it's like people that are in charge don't. We can. They're all boomers. They don't know. What they're we doing. can they literally don't. see they don't know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. Um. But the nice thing is because of technology and social media. Younger people are aware of this from a younger age. They know, yo, these guys don't know what they're talking about, yeah. and they they don't see it. Uni or do they like. see people like you, for example, with boot camps and stuff. There's, there's like adverts everywhere on Instagram. You go past a story, oh, here's a boot camp, here's a boot camp, do this and do this. You notice, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I thought it was just me because I'm. I also have those ads. As well. Yeah, I think <laughs> obviously it, it, they is um, targeted ads, but I, I know there's more and more of them nowadays than there ever used to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And. And people want to make money more than anything because obviously you got the cost of living and all this stuff. Yeah. Like I think people are researching ways of making money, ways of making money. And when you're like actively always like promoting, this is how you can eventually though to click on. Yeah, this is how you make you can make money. I think I think people are being funneled into that direction just simply because of the nature of society right now, the way things are going. Um, but it's good to see that people are taking their time a bit more, in my opinion. Um, but there's a fine balance. Like people tend to also procrastinate. Like young people, they seem to like just coast for like way more longer like uncomfortably long than what they actually should be doing so like for me I, I recommend men. yeah a lot of boys young young male like young males that are like they're doing all right like the families aren't like dying like in terms of like poverty and stuff like they've got a decent background like they're going through school but then they just don't know what they want to do next and they just pause everything like that's it i'm just gonna coast and yeah, i've noticed drop, I can just count in easy. Yeah. yeah i've noticed they just like coast in a like uncomfortably long position for like three, four, five until they get to their mid twenties, and then they're like, okay, yeah, I want to do a boot camp or something, uh, which is positive. But I think there's a fine balance that needs to be struck. Like people need to kind of push towards like just trying things out rather than like just waiting until they think something's ideal for yeah. them. And that's like just the I nature of young people right now. The reason why that is is most people stop learning after uni. So once you finish mm-hmm. uni, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, I'm done. Now. I can just work. And they stop learning. That's that's the difference between people who excel in their career very quickly, or career, or business, or whatever, mm-hmm. and people like you said who just coast for years, and, and then they, and then decide, okay, well, I, I need to make more money. I'm still on the same salary or similar salary. What can I do? That's when they go on YouTube or find ways to make money. But then by then it's like they're either close to getting married, or maybe they already get married or have kids, or they're just older and have more responsibilities. So they don't have the time or they mm-hmm. don't feel like they have the time to work on those things. Because I think I think uh, in the book, which we'll talk about soon, mm-hmm. um, the author talks about how everyone or most people has a, have a very long list of things they want to do. Yeah. But they can only do maybe five or even three of those things yeah. properly. Yeah. I think he said he interviewed Warren Buffett and he asked him, like, what, sh- what, what, yeah. what should I focus on in my life? But... Yeah, so I actually wanted to go into that next. Uh, so we read the book 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman, um, book you recommended. First of all, I give you a, a, a selection of uh, books that, uh, what, what would you recommend? You, you gave me a few and then you decided to go to, to that one. So why, why was that? I think that was the one I had was reading at the moment mm-hmm. and it applies to my life mostly. Yeah. So it's interesting. So the 4,000 Weeks is basically meant to be like our lifespan kind of thing, right? Yeah, 4,000 um, Like the average lifespan... When you put it like that, it's kind of it sounds it sounds it's short, isn't it? Quite short, yeah. And it's funny because I read a book recently called Outlive by Dr. Peter Atia. He's got another podcast um, and a YouTube channel. Where he, like where he talks about similar con- a lot of similar concepts, but it's more about like health more than time. But they kind of interlink anyway. So like I've I feel like I've been covering that topic a lot um, recently. Especially I went to Scotland uh, and I climbed a small mountain. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> my legs were finished. How, called how, Ben how, Lomond. Ben Lomond, so it's nine hundred and fifty meters high. I think Ben Nevis is like one thousand. Yeah, Ben Nevis two. is huge. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I think I think Ben Nevis is like one thousand five hundred or something. So it's like six hundred, seven hundred meters higher. And um, I don't know how steep it is, or whatever. But how yeah. long did it take you? 
Um, up and down four hours forty five minutes. Oh, that's not bad. So apparently that's faster than average because literally it was getting dark on the way so down. You had to, yeah. Yeah, on the way down, <laughs> uh, we got there late because it was raining during the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we started at like four ish, four pm ish, and then we yeah we we like casually went up and like let uh, like well, there was a group of nine and we, only four people reached the top <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, what, people gave up halfway people gave up halfway yeah, wow. yeah people gave up less than halfway wow. but yeah we reached the I, I reached the top first in it and on the way on the way down we literally had to jog like and we were finished by that point like because it's like i never knew because this is the first time i, I climbed climbed a small mountain like, i've never climbed a mountain period yeah it's called the monroe actually like a small mountain oh um, you'll love wells man yeah yeah so i never knew uh, like what it would take to kind of push to actually get into the summit so like you see one peak and you think okay there it is nope. <laughs> and then you keep going and then, oh, well, another one uh, over and over again and, like it kind of really pushed me mentally more than physically like, every step was just like right, you can do more you can do more and then when I, my guys started struggling they started turning back i was like Oof, i don't want to be in I don't want to be in the car and back i can't lie like that but um yeah we managed to get to the top and like like all these books that I've been reading lately, like Outlive that I mentioned by Dr. Peter Atia, this uh, 4,000 weeks, it really made me think like, yo, what am I doing in my life and my health right now that, that I'm like, am I really getting towards where I want to be? Um, but yeah, this book, 4,000 weeks about the average lifespan, um, how we deal with it, how there's this constant pressure of, uh, I've got to do this in my time, do this in my time, but I also don't know where any of my time is going. Um, I think I've seen you often tweet about that kind of stuff and um, waking up early and doing doing things to manage your time in a better way. I feel like a lot of people don't do that, but it's also about accepting that time is finite, is not infinite. Um, and if we like have too much on our plates and have too many priorities and hobbies and all the things going on, eventually we're just going to burn out. We're not going to do anything of real we're not going to achieve anything of, of real note um and yeah he kind of talked about different ways to tackle that so he kind of first he gave a bunch of case studies where he kind of just talked about um oh this is how this person dealt with it and then he started um giving examples of where he asked like famous people how they dealt with it for themselves so an example of warren buffett where he said um all right give me 25 things you want to achieve before you die um, and then, yeah, only stick with the first five. <laughs> like that's yeah, really- Throw the rest, throw six to 25 away. Yeah. And only do the first five. Yeah, five. Because yeah. it's true, you can't get everything done. Yeah. Um, and I think what he, said, what he said in particular was, you can't you can't expect to do all of the, um, all the rest of the appealing things. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like the things that, you kind of want to do, mm-hmm. but you know you won't have time to mm-hmm. throw those away. Because most people don't. Most, most most people have that list. Even me, I have a dumb list of things that are always are all to do with work, but just a list of things I want to do mm. before I die. But it's unrealistic to do, to do all of them. So having like a list, like an open list and a closed list, so things that you can afford not to do, mm-hmm. and things that you know you really want to do, and then prioritize them to from the most important to the least important. And then just tackle the first three. Um, that's something I'm still working on because you can never like it's hard to it's hard to realize what's what's more important. Yeah. When you're still doing them, you know, like like if you're doing a project and you think okay, that's the most important thing, that might fail, things might happen, that business might flop. The next important thing could be further further down the list. So it's it's hard mm-hmm. to balance for me personally. You know, I, I so first of all, um, why why did you specifically say, all right, this is the book that I want to talk about on the podcast then? Because you, maybe it was fresh in your mind, but you also had other books that you suggested as well. Yeah, so I chose The 4,000 Weeks because I like to read books that I can, that I need in my life right now. So mm-hmm. a problem that I have or something that I think about, mm-hmm. if there's a book relating to it, I'd, I'd want to buy it and read it. Um, so 4,000 books... I, I struggle doing too much, basically, right? So productivity and all that toxic work culture and all that crap mm-hmm. um, that I push on Twitter sometimes. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. so, so being a bit hypocritical, but <laughs> it talks about a side of productivity that isn't talked about. I think mm-hmm. the author, he was on um, Diary of a CEO as well right. a couple of years ago. And um, he spoke about that quite a bit, basically. I mean, he just went through the book pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, so, yeah. So what, 
So for me, I see you as someone who's always working. Yeah. And even we even have discussions around this sometimes where I'm like, yo, you need to take a holiday where you're not doing work. Because for me, I know I've I've always been in that kind of state. Like even in the Scotland trip I went to, I banged my laptop with me, but I never really opened it at the end because I just there was a point where I was like, nah, I need to switch off because I've been really burning myself out recently. I've been doing a lot of graphic design stuff, web design stuff, and I'm on top of my nine to five, which has been a lot of new information. Um, so I said, let me just switch off. But for you, I, I kind of ask you why you, you you do that, but you like kind of responded regarding obviously you want to get things done right now. I think people really underestimate having phases in your in your life. Like you can't always be grinding, you can't always be chilling, and um, even all this the hustle culture. Like obviously these people that are always saying that they're hustling, hustling, they're not twenty four seven doing that. They're, they're finding times in their lives. You see it on their own Instagrams where they're on yachts, they're on, yeah. on helicopters, they're on private jets. Oh, are they working the whole time? No way. So, like it's interesting, but um, I think people really have to balance that. Like you, you, you need to know right now. Do you need to work hard or can you relax a bit? Like you can't always be working like burning yourself out. But also, there, like you said. There has to be an acceptance that time is limited. We need to really prioritize what we really want to do, and accept that that all these other ideas that that sound beautiful in your head just aren't gonna work out as well if you try and do all of them at the same time. Um, so that's kind of the main takeaway I kind of got away from this book. Um, but for you, was there anything like that was really insightful that like you didn't really know or you didn't think of before you read the book and after? So there was a couple of things. He talks about solutions towards the end of the book. Um, mm -hmm. and a few things like sort of tactics you can use mm -hmm. to realize that your time on this earth is finite, mm -hmm. but you can still do what you want to do. So this is kind of mixed between this book and another book, um, called essentialism. Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea is once like, let's say you plan out your week and you plan out your day and you have like a bunch of things on your to-do list, mm -hmm. you on purpose do less than you know you can do if that makes sense so be be okay with finishing at 80 percent, not 100 percent. yeah that way you still have le uh, uh, some left in the tank to yeah. continue tomorrow so you're not burnt out after every day um i don't always follow this rule um yeah. but i think it's a good rule to to have in the back of my mind especially when i know that certain projects or like, i don't know let's say a business Business is always a marathon rather than a sprint. So most mm -hmm. things are a marathon, I think, mm -hmm. rather than a sprint. So if you see it as a marathon, you know that okay, there's no, you're not gonna sprint from the first, you know, from the start line. You're gonna just uh, jog or you know just continue so you can actually get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And the finish line, the finish line is different for everyone. So I don't know, financial freedom, um, being location dependent, time independent. Depends what the, your goals are for your business or your life. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other side, you know, Dean, health, family. And those two things, I don't think they they can be opposites. Yeah. I, I don't think you need to separate t t uh, your time with your, like your family, your health, your Dean and your business. Because if that happens, if you separate them too much, mm -hmm. you won't, I don't think you'll find balance. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like concepts that you talked about, I thought there were some really interesting ones, like um, the idea of like the efficiency trap that you mentioned. So like being um, like actively showing that you're really efficient, especially when you're not working for yourself. Even when you're working for yourself, you end up doing more than you can actually bear because you, you show that oh you can do five jobs in one hour that someone else might take two hours to do. But then what are they going to do? They're going to give you more work. And even for yourself, you're self-employed. You might also find that you do that yourself. like All the time, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Because, like, 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 let's say, I mean, obviously now we've got technology and, you know, you can order food instead of making food or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Things that save time. Instead of using that time to rest, mm -hmm. I always just, and it's normal, I think a lot of people just use it to do more work. Yeah. And then the more work you do, the more work comes on your plate. Mm -hmm. So there's no point being too efficient. All these productivity tools and hacks and all of that, they were fun in the beginning when I was first learning about them, time management and, mm -hmm. you know, being really efficient with what I'm doing. But after a while, you realize that you can't control every aspect of your time. Mm -hmm. Even the um, the common 
advice that I give to when people are first learning how to code is figure out how you spend your week and allocate blocks of time mm-hmm. to learn. That's not always realistic because when I did that, it was during COVID. Mm-hmm. There was lockdown, mm-hmm. gyms were closed. I was living away. So I could afford to do that because I didn't have anything else to do. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have coding, mm-hmm. I would have gone insane. Yeah. Like there's no like, everything was closed. It was lockdown. There's nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So now, obviously, things are open up again. Everyone's doing things. People are, you know, if you have kids or you've got a full-time job, whatever, it's difficult to allocate one hour a day. So now I tell people just do 30 minutes a day. Because mm-hmm. if you do 30 minutes a day, once you learn the basics of a skill, that 30 minutes will turn into an hour, two hours, because you'll just be deep into it and you'll just enjoy it. And if you enjoy it, you keep doing more of it. Mm-hmm. And, like, the reason why he kind of talked about this efficiency trap is because... Of like we're humans we're like flesh and like we're we're made of like organic matter we're not machines that can always work 24 7 and even mentally there is a process of um like just processing things emotionally like mentally like you can't overburden yourself because there's such a thing as decision fatigue where you have so many decisions during the day that you start becoming inefficient because you you have to take too mu- too many decisions because you try to do too much. Um, I, I thought that was very interesting. Um, also, th- he he mentioned the Jewish Sabbath um, where they were banned from like fishing during a certain day of the week. I thought that was really interesting because it's, it's like a religious way of looking at it where they got told, "Yo, you you don't need to chill. Don't work." It's like, like isn't that it's, it's uh, similar in Islam where you can't um, fast on Fridays? Yeah, right? yeah. The, it, well, there's fast like, on Eid as well, like that's yeah. So like the, even like within like um, like Abrahamic religions, there's been um, scriptures that have said uh, you lot need to chill out. <laughs> Basically, like li- like live a balanced life as humans and accept that there's certain things that that if you overdo, you're not gonna um, yeah. see, reap the benefit of them consistently in the long term. Um, so I thought that was also very interesting. Um, the other concept about paying yourself first, I thought he was just talking about money where he was talking about like you, you get your salary, um, put your savings, put your money to savings, put it into investments and then um, let the rest of it trickle out to whether you're sorting a family, rent, all that stuff. Um, but then he also started talking about saving, uh, putting yourself first in terms of your time as well. Um, I think people can get easily distracted by often saying yes to things. Um, and yeah, I've saying yes definitely been like, kills you, man. Yeah, I've been like that most of my life, I would say. Over the, maybe over the last five years, I've improved a lot on that. Um, but even now, like I, I went through a period where I was unemployed. So I, I was building up my, my agency and I was um, taking up a lot of free projects. <laughs> like I wrote a list, like I can do this person's uh, website, I can do this person's logo, I can do this person's website. At the same time? Uh... All at the same time. And I was at the same time applying for jobs and all this. And even when I started a new job, it was like, all right, I'll just continue on. But then I, there was a point where I, I just had to tell, I just cancelled a whole bunch of people like, yo, yeah, I know I, I talked about it, but <laughs> sorry, man. No, you can't, I mean, you're doing them a favour as well because... Yeah, you have, you, you exactly. Are, the quality of your work is not going to match what they want anyway. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I thought that was, was very interesting as well. Um, but he talked about, like you said, schedule meetings with yourself in terms of blocking your time out. Reflection as well, a lot of time yeah. to reflect so you can... I like the term. I like the term auditing your time. Mm-hmm. You know, so spending morning of the end of the week, a Sunday or something, mm-hmm. or Friday or end of the work week, to look back and say, okay, how did I spend my time? What did I spend it on? Using your, you know, on your phone, you can you can see how much you spend on each app. Mm-hmm. That as well, that helps. If you're spending three or four hours on one app, typically <laughs> a social media app, it's just like TikTok. Yeah, it's just it's stupid. Like you like, and the th- the thing is, they they try and um. They're good at hijacking you, hijacking your attention. Mm-hmm. These apps, or just they have professional psychologists you know, at work. Literally, yeah. Yeah. So, if you think of it like that, where people are like now seeing your attention is worth more than money, you know, we're in an attention attention economy. It gets a bit sticky, man, because mm-hmm. <laughs> you get. I think people should get more angry about that. Yeah. You know, you know what's funny? Like I wasn't. Like, I I rarely use TikTok these days, but there was a period where I was using it a lot. And uh, every now and then I was coming across these videos where they, they, they tell a story, but it's split screen and the bottom half is just like subway service or whatever. They still do that? Or GTA, like, yeah, like random, random guy, like you... doing some GTA oh, map. So and I always wonder like, what the hell is that about? Yeah, why is... <laughs> But the whole time 
I'm there watching the GTA thing the whole time. I'm not even paying attention to the story like that. Uh, it people, works. It, they're keeping the loop. And there's literally, there's nothing at the end of it as well. There's no reward. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, he's just for shit. After a while, you just realize, okay, what did I just watch? Or I think so, Homozi talks about this because that's what he uses for his content, Alex Homozi. Yeah. Um, on, like, the, the framework is hook, retain, reward. Mm -hmm. But at least with that type of content, you're benefiting, you know, learning how to make money, you're learning your skill. When it comes to people, random people making random content for laughs, mm -hmm. like, uh, like, like after a while, like, what am I doing? Uh, in the book, he talks about that video they did in 2016, um, the watermelon, where for 46 minutes straight, almost oh, an yeah, hour. Oh, yeah, the YouTube video. How much is it? 600? Yeah, elastic bands. Bands of elastics, bands. just around a watermelon until it explodes. Yeah. And there was millions of people watching that. Yeah. And then I'm sure those people didn't wake up in the morning thinking, okay, I'm going to watch watermelon today <laughs> i'm gonna spend almost an hour of my day so you know what it is though i i feel like that 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 statistic might be completed because kids like that kind of stuff not i would say kids uh, like that kind of stuff and they do tend true. to rewatch yeah, it yeah and like then they go even rewatching. i mean people make into memes i did see some funny videos about that account mm -hmm. but people would literally watch or or they'd watch a celebrity on instagram live for mm -hmm. almost an hour I've never understood that. Uh, that's one thing that literally I can't, because every now and then I, w I go on a live and I just watch it for a little bit, for like two minutes, and I'm thinking, yo, yeah, there's no it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> why am I here right now? That's why I've never done like lives myself. But at some point I want to like get back into it. I think only the people who have a lot of followers who know that they'll leave and come back as well. Mm -hmm. The only way that, the only app that does it correctly, I think is Twitter Spaces. Because you can keep scrolling the feed, right? Yeah, yeah, Twitter Spaces. Yeah. Whereas Instagram, you're kind of trapped in the Instagram. Yeah, you have to be washing their face and doing the heart. Or something. Yeah, and and I think it is like people just genuinely, um, they they just they really get invested into that celebrity or whatever, and then they like make their life kind of about that. Watch yourself, man. Like, mm -hmm. so like like you said, auditing your time, really figuring out what you do with your time on a daily basis, like that's the main way of just understanding why you think you don't have time throughout the whole day because we all have the same 24 hours at the end of the day like like everyone everyone says um there was like, some controversy about that yeah yeah, yeah. Was, I, I think, think it was love island girl was it her or was it molly may molly may yeah, wasn't yeah. she love island person yeah i don't know i've got no idea but yeah she said <laughs> she said we all have the same 24 hours obviously she's really privileged yeah yeah. yeah. but then i agree with that's the thing but i didn't i didn't comment it because i knew i would get cooked you i would have got you cooked Pride. I don't know what you would have said. <laughs> you would have said, said she has a point. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I wanted to say that so bad. Like, but she was getting cooked. I was like, you know what? Let me knock your mouth around. Back then, I didn't have that many followers. So I would have yeah. cooked like bad. I would have deleted <laughs> But um, listen, good. There's no, there's, no, there's, no such, there's, no, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. Of course. Because... One, once on one hand, you can get a lot of bad publicity that grows your brand. Impressions, yeah. That's yeah, you get a lot of impressions. But on the other hand, people start talking about you in negative light and that could affect the way your like your yeah, brand actually true. grows. Because then people are like, oh, this is that thread, here's that thread boy. <laughs> here's that thread boy waffling again, yeah. yeah? And then their, their friends see that. So like, it's natural to see your friends say something negative about something and you naturally have a negative impression on them as well. It's just natural. It's so, I think it's... Because people are, like, people at the end of the day roaming gangs, like, nobody's, like, no one's isolated completely. Oh. And, like, if you say something on Twitter and I read it, like, I'm naturally inclined to, like, <laughs> believe it almost until I think about it a bit more and research and it. you realise, oh, this guy's... And, and people just don't take that step to go and think about what what they actually just read. Uh, so that's why there's a lot of, like, this, uh, like... Some quote tweets, yeah, quote tweet army. Yeah, there's a lot of like, like backpacking onto someone. Like as soon as someone jumps, it's like funny says something, that, yeah. everyone else jumps on at the same time, and that's because of that. There, there's that extra step that that, and people like drama. That's the thing as well. People love drama. People man. love drama. Especially on Twitter, where you just literally you read the whole thread. You read, like so sometimes the person who quote tweets the, the original poster gets more impressions mm -hmm. than the original. Like what the hell? Yeah, yeah, I found that like when I'm posting. When I'm posting like graphic design content, like I've been active a lot more lately on like football Twitter because I want to get into like football design space, and like so I, I just post random jokes on the like uh, like random 
football uh, personality comments and that that joke will get thousands of likes and I'll go back to my post and think, yo. (laughs) But it's natural, isn't it? People just like drama, people like entertainment. Um, So it's a natural way of marketing. When you're growing on social media, a lot of people, and I used to always think this, think that the following count is the biggest metric Mm -hmm. to use. But it's not. I think it depends on... like. You can have like 10k followers, but if those 10k followers aren't invested in what you're selling or what you're preaching, there's no point. Yeah. If you've got 3,000 niche followers that are in your uh, in your ideal audience, mm-hmm. that's what matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they'll buy whatever you sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what what I see most often. That's why like you get all the people jumping on because they're so invested in that person and the way they think of their niche. Yeah, personal it, branding is it, big, man. Yeah, so you like you really have to capture your niche. But um, going back to auditing your time, he also mentioned something funny about. Um, he said that he's uh, he, his newborn son did something cute, and then the first thing like the first instinct he had was to go and post it on Twitter. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting because every now and then I catch myself doing stuff like that where. I'm like, okay, yo. Now I start recording. I'm like, yeah, it's normal. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, not even getting your phone out recording. It's like, oh, you saw something, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go make a tweet about this. Sure, yeah. And like, that's that's not actually natural. Like, when you think about it, like, that's not something like you would do on a day to day basis in your real, in your real life because you, you're kind of being conditioned to, to do that more and more often. And that's why people end up spending so much time on Twitter. Um, in the beginning, it was a, like an unpaid role. He said unpaid role, but I found that funny because I was like, yeah, now 2023, you're getting paid for that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there actually is some value in, in, in thinking about random nonsense and then tweeting it. Um, so it's a weird, really weird world that we're I going think to people, live in. The thing is, I mean, I've seen I've seen a few pages who completely rebranded after the ad revenue share yeah. came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, it's not like they changed it recently from like 5k, no, 5, 5 million, million impressions yeah. to 15 million impressions. You know, I don't have that either. They revoked uh, that, you know? Yeah, so it used to be, it was 5k, 5 million. Then 15 for million. Three months. Now 15 million. Now it's 5 million again. Oh, is it? It's gone back? Yeah, it's gone back. Okay. Like, like a few days ago. Then. Remember, I told you on the first day that the monetization came out, I was like, this guy's going to change his mind like, every couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, my days. I mean, he literally is. He probably will do that again, though. I think because he realized a lot of people have like 20, 30k followers and still aren't, still aren't, still aren't eligible for mm-hmm. ad revenue. But mm-hmm. if it's gone back, then I'm going to check. <laughs> it's really interesting because the, the idea of it now, he's making it into a complete, like, like complete platform for content creation, whether it's video, whether it's photography, whether it's uh, articles, where no other space really had that before. So like now you can write articles and watch videos, uh, full videos, and you can um, just show uh, pictures of interesting stuff and you can grow your brand regardless. Like, so all of a sudden it's filled the niche and even the idea there's a following page and a for you page now, and you can just scroll and like capture your attention even more. So like, uh, arguably Twitter right now is worse than TikTok I would say yeah, I don't know I still it think depends TikTok on the people you the follow worst app ever you know why because TikTok they don't even prioritize who you follow mm-hmm. I think they're changing it recently but you'll be consistently shown random videos until you just stop scrolling I haven't found but, it to be the case but, though but, but Twitter you can stop like I think at, on Twitter the for you page you can change it to your following mm-hmm. and it'll stay there yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah that's true. Refresh, but and of course, this is all text based. Most if if tw- if Twitter goes video based, then yeah, which it is now they can you can upload two hour videos for for free. Um, but yeah, there's a following page on TikTok as well. So I'm not arguing for either of them to be a positive thing anyway. But like, yeah. it's just every single social media platform now just trying it is to going there. Yeah, yeah, capture your attention yeah. in every way. Attention, yeah. Like even me, I find now like I'm not on my following page as often as I am on my For You page, which I end up seeing like a random nonsense that I don't want to see. Yeah. Um, but I also see more like entertaining stuff that will keep me there for longer as well. So like I keep like well, deleting recently, it, reinstalling yeah, it. Yeah, so what I did, it. almost a week now, I didn't have it on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I, deleted, I, de- I deleted the app on my phone, Twitter, but I have it on my laptop and I'm always on my laptop anyway. Mm-hmm. So I thought, why not just keep it there? And the biggest hack, just schedule your tweets out. Yeah. So literally a week before schedule whatever, because you you have a lot of good thoughts like or, or, or thoughts or ideas or threads you want to make. Do all in like two hours, one hour on a Sunday. Tweet it out. Then you have no excuse not to. You have you have no excuse to use the app afterwards. Mm-hmm. Really. I think the interesting thing about that is it's something that you can suggest for people that have a platform 
But for people without a platform, oh, for normal people, no, few that's, followers. That's still weird. <laughs> nah, I'm talking about like people that want to grow their content creation. Like, for yeah, example, yeah. I think having like let's say sub 1,000 followers, I think that's very difficult now. Yeah, you, you have to, to really out. engage yeah, 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 yeah. and really be involved in the app. So even now, like it's not even for big creators. You yeah, just need to engage with other bigger creators. Yeah, exactly. To get their following to become their their own following. Mm. So coming on to another topic, you talked about rest, practicing doing nothing. Um, I think like I nowadays, sorry, I talk about that. Um, cause we, we like, obviously I, if you're, should do. <laughs> if you're constantly in motion, like there's a, a significant lack of like just accepting your reality and like being mindful of your current environment and your situation. Um, and things like auditing your time, these are like just mindfulness practices. And when you're not able to rest and do nothing at the same time, or even like just go for a walk and like not have your headphones on and listen to podcasts and audiobooks like I do or people listen to, to music most of the time. Um, like that's you not being mindful. That, that's you just escaping into another world and, and not accepting what your reality is. Um, and like I thought that topic was very interesting as well because like if you don't practice that rest, like that restfulness, but being at rest and doing nothing, you won't be able to appreciate like being busy as much. And that will mean that you're, you you also struggle to find more time. So when you're able to be mindful, you find more time. And then you can actually work on your priorities further. Um, so I thought that was very interesting because I hadn't think, thought of that link before like that, you know. Um, so, yeah, have you? Like, how do you find, like, meditation? Have you ever tried meditation? Like, I have, actually. <laughs> as Muslims, like, so yeah, we was, pray. And, like, prayer is meant to be a mindfulness activity as well. I think prayer is meditation in any way. Yeah, in some kind of way, yeah. But... Um, when I was working as a videographer, I had access to Headspace, you know, the app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was free, so I used it. This is back when I was so living by myself. Companies and be like, we care about your yeah, mental health. Here's this. Here's Headspace. Yeah. But we're going to give you 60-hour work weeks. <laughs> and it was during COVID and everything. Yeah. So I needed, I didn't really need it. I wanted to try it because, uh, you know, all these YouTubers were talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I said, okay, I'll do it. And I tried it for like a week, 10 minutes a day. I worked my way up. It was like five minutes, then I worked my way up. The best lesson I learned from meditating mm-hmm. is the art of literally thinking about nothing. So it was guided guided medita- meditation. So he he or she would kind of talk you through your breath and kind of like um, thinking about nothing or mm-hmm. thinking about you're on the beach and, you know, all that hippie stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the best way I found it was, you know, after you pray or before you go to bed, turn off everything, no no screens, no content, and just sit there and think about, try and think about nothing but your breath. So mm-hmm. I'm all just thicker. So that kind of helps you relax your mind from thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the future too much, which I kept doing, especially in my early years, yeah, um, you forget the presence. You forget what it means to kind of just be mindful of what you're doing now mm-hmm. and how you're feeling. So another, another um, technique is journaling as well. Mm-hmm. So in the morning you write down what you're grateful for or what you want to do for the day, which I don't really recommend because if you do that, then you're again thinking about the future, right? So yeah, just yeah, think yeah. about how you're feeling right now and whatnot. I don't do that as much, but I think they're both similar practices you can use to just ground yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you talk about a whole bunch of other concepts as well, um, including having hobbies with no like monetary attachment. Uh, I remember you used to do photography a lot more. I don't see that as much yeah, now. Yeah, I need to get back to it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, what hobbies would you say you do now? Then, like, like what do you do in your free time? <laughs> Good question. Yeah. Um, past couple of months, mm-hmm. I don't have much free time unless it's traveling. So I guess I can say that. Mm-hmm. So traveling. So normally I try to put my head down and work for like two months on whatever goals I need. Mm-hmm. From there, travel, go to another country few weeks a month or two um and then even though i still work during that time it still feels a lot more restful because i'm not doing i'm not in the work environment i'm not mm-hmm. in london i'm not in the hustle and bustle i'm not in that grind environment yeah i'm somewhere else and it feels a lot, a lot more peaceful because then when i come back to london i can go back to doing work mm-hmm. but usually what i like to do and i need to get back to do more is um a hobby like i said that has no monetary gain so mm-hmm. photography in particular street photography because I like landscape photography, but I can't really go outside London every day. To yeah. Do that. So, um, going to central London, do some street photography is the best way to just literally just grind myself mm-hmm. and just think about 
nothing but the art of photography. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I come out with some bangers, sometimes I don't. But it's nice just watching everyone go by and just watching the streets of London and the buildings and mm. that's there's it. a certain level of peace where you're just involved yeah, in that yeah. completely. Um so yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of other topics he talks about, like cultivating patience, being able to like just accept like you're right now you might be waiting for something you're just gonna have to sit in it and wait for it and accept it um that's just a very important thing mindfulness again embracing uncertainty uh, that's something that i've had to do a lot of the last couple yeah, months yeah, yeah. Um, it's tough though, man. It's like, like especially at, you know when you before you're like in, in, your, in, your, in your young age you're always thinking about what you could be doing yeah if something's uncertain now like how's next year gonna look yeah you know? As a young person, I think we definitely yearn for that stability and like everyone says, oh, what do you want to grow up to be? And that's another whole thing as well. Like you can't expect everyone to just stick to one career for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And like just having that condition growing up like repeatedly over and over, it kind of made us think about, I think it gave us a lot of anxiety as well about our futures. And that's where I see a lot of younger people like really procrastinating because they, they have a lot of fear around that uncertainty. What if I what if I do go into this boot camp and then I go into this job and I just don't like it, but I'm just stuck. Like you know what they say as well. Perfectionism, for also like if you if you are afraid to start something because you might fail, that's kind of like perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just another word for procrastination, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So hundred percent. Um, and like it's just like you said, another word for it, and people don't see it that way. They think, oh, you know, I want to keep doing this. I want to wait until, you know, it's perfect. On until everything's finish. ideal. Yeah, this, that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You need to use data. So do it, do the thing, experiment, see how it goes. Especially like, for example, I don't know, creating content, starting a first newsletter, mm-hmm. um, starting a course in whatever skill you want to learn. Do it, see if you like it, see how far you get. Yeah. You can always turn back and like nothing's gonna happen. It's not, it's not like a uni degree where you're four years, you know, you're stuck in three or four years mm-hmm. paying God knows how much. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little bit of your time which you you would have spent otherwise doing, let's face it, something that's not really that mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Um and the book talks about more similar concepts, um, like choosing what you care about, really, really think about what you really care about and then go and pursue that with all your might because if you don't you're just beating around the bush half-hearted and anything you're doing you're not going to achieve much and if you see anyone that's successful and you ask them how they got to where they were most of them is just pure focus and consistency um and to do that you need to be mindful about your time you need to do things like make stimulation for yourself more difficult like put your phone out of the room when you're sleeping for example or have an actual alarm clock um loads of other ways of just like deleting twitter is just little extra steps that you have to take to make those little um stimulation efforts that your brain wants you to go down a lot more difficult and then embrace you, discomfort yeah so there's a lot of these like different concepts that the book talks about so i thought it was really like genuinely insightful um but i think also like i feel like this book it kind of read like a video kind of thing so like if i feel like if this guy had a youtube channel i'm yeah. sure he does already yeah, yeah. i feel like a lot of these concepts should be made into videos and you could absorb that a lot easier um but it's still nonetheless i think people who read more it's still nonetheless very what he talks about was in the podcast by that yeah in diary so yeah a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about is there as well mm-hmm. i think he probably made it so a book that's a bit similar is essentialism mm-hmm. by greg McEwen. and he has a um weekly newsletter basically mm-hmm. covering a snippet of every the whole book every mm-hmm. week, every mm-hmm. Wednesday. So interesting way of growing your brand. That's a, that's um, cool. So, so you've got a background where you kind of preach about like productivity, um, improving the way you think and improving the way you work. Um, after reading and consuming a lot of all this content, how would you say your workflow is on a day to day basis now? Then give a, give a, give the viewers a quick snippet. So on a day to day basis, yeah. I try to have maximum three things I need to do, mm-hmm. and those don't have to be work related. So going to the gym could be one of them or uh, doing something that's basically non-work. The other two things or three things has to be work-related. Um, and my day usually starts off in the morning. So I try to get up at half six, if not seven. I don't like to stay in bed after that, after seven, 7.30. Reason being, I'm more fresh. I feel a lot more alert in the mornings, getting more work done without this distraction. So no one's really on social media at seven o'clock, six, half six in the morning. Family are asleep, people aren't really calling you. That's the best time to get two or three hours of deep work done. Mm-hmm. 
if I do that, the whole day feels a lot less stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, if I get the hard stuff done, so eat the frog is what they call. Yeah, um, there's this technique doing the doing the hardest thing first. in the morning or doing the hardest thing first. Yeah, and then the rest of your day, because um, that's normally filled with meetings, um, going seeing people, other errands like live stuff, mm-hmm. and then in the evenings, I try to plan what I'm doing the next day, or just kind of. Just like just general strategy work. Mm-hmm. So think about okay, where's the business going? Um, what have I done this last few weeks that will take it further, or you know, auditing a time basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's it. Sometimes I do go over that. You know, like I do work more than like later than ten o'clock, which isn't always good. But yeah, I think in the early days that's quite normal, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you just gotta get stuff done, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So, um, what's next for you and Pivot to Tech? Um, so the new courses. Mm-hmm. Um and that's it for now. I'm not gonna yeah. say because we're doing a few things that we'll announce soon, mm-hmm. inshallah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, continuing, we are actually gonna release a coding a coding for kids course yeah. as well soon. Um, getting the kids learning the basics of coding, maybe going to schools, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've mentioned that before, but cool. Yeah. So yeah, um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, this has been Paper Trails with your boy Mohammed from Inspire. Um, if you like this episode, um, we do a lot of similar episodes where we discuss books with other random people. But it's always kind of what the guest suggests as well. So it can be it can get really interesting when we do fiction and non-fiction books. Um, but it's also it doesn't have to be books all the time. But yeah, I try to force it on people every now and then just to keep the the main foundation of the podcast alive. Um, so yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank uh, you, man. Likewise. Thank you very much for coming on. And yeah, yeah, always welcome back and long live Pivot to Tech. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you in the next week. Thanks for listening to the Paper Trails podcast. If you like this episode, please leave a review, comment, like, and subscribe. And be sure to follow us on all our socials. Keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. See you at work.